Ohio State football is only slightly more than two weeks away. The Buckeyes will travel to Indiana and play against the Hoosiers on Saturday, September 2nd. College football begins exactly a week earlier than that date, as Notre Dame and Navy kick off the college football season in Dublin, Ireland at 2.30 p.m. Big Ten football starts August 31st on a Thursday night where Nebraska travels to play Minnesota. I'm very excited for Saturdays and for game days to finally arrive so I can watch some real football on the field. Preseason speculation, talking about spring practice, spring games, fall camp, and top 25 rankings and conference predictions, which I have a top 25 video coming out in the next two days. All of that is fun and enjoyable, but ultimately Saturdays are so much more inspiring, and they're what matters. They are what determines successful teams. A preseason number one team, Lane Kiffin and USC are a prime example. You can begin number one in the preseason, and at the end of the day, it doesn't matter. And your team could still be a failure, they could wildly underperform, and I feel like from fall camp, and this feels like I'm bouncing around different topics, but... The USC and Lane Kiffin example, I promise in a few seconds it will make sense. From what I've gathered from the Buckeyes fall camp and talking to friends, reading the comments and reading some articles and listening to other channels, I think I have a great idea of others' perspectives regarding Ohio State and my own. And there's a large variety of views on Ohio State. If you're Michigan or you're Georgia, everyone views you with rare exception as unanimously top three teams. No one's questioning you. Most are saying that at the very worst, you're not going to make the playoff, but you're still going to get 11, maybe 12 wins, including your postseason game, whether that's a New Year's Six Bowl, a championship game, maybe a loss in the semifinal. And that's the worst for Georgia and Michigan. The best is 15-0, and potentially being one of the better teams in the history of college football, given what Michigan returns and how great of a coach Kirby Smart is and how his program just reloads through recruiting. For Ohio State, it's a lot more complex than that this preseason. There are people like me who have Ohio State unanimously as a top three team with Michigan and Georgia because of their talent level, and because of their returning production that is in between a team like Georgia's, who returns little production, and a team like Michigan's, who returns almost all of their 2022 production, Ohio State's around 50th in returning production from the 2022 to 2023 season, there are people like me who have them in that elite tier, there are those who'd have them in that tier 1B, maybe tier 2, and then there are those, to go back to the USC example, that think that Ohio State's just overrated, and they find any and all reasons to discredit Ohio State. And full disclosure, I am a diehard Michigan fan. I have never cheered against my team except for the 2020 season where things were so bad that I figured it would be better for Michigan to lose so changes could happen. And at the end of the day, Jim Harbaugh made changes. He proved me wrong. I thought he should have been fired after 2020. And I'm glad that he made changes. I'm glad that Ward extended an offer to him to stay at Michigan with half of his salary 
and he changed Michigan's program around, and now we're the number one program in the Big Ten. I'm a diehard Michigan fan, and I'm here to tell you that Ohio State is not overrated. In fact, they're overhated. Whether it's Crane and company ranking them outside of the top six in their quote-unquote unbiased top 25, which an unbiased top 25, in my opinion, would have Ohio State easily inside of the top six, more preferably inside of the top four. Whether it's, for example, many comments that I've seen, whether it's from Michigan fans or Penn State fans that seriously are considering having Ohio State go 9-3 and three or have a bad 10-2 and two record, it's rare to find someone like me or even ESPN's FPI that give very high praise for Ohio State, though I'm glad that Josh Pate does. An example of this in Ohio State's fall camp is that the offense has been reported to struggle. Same with the offensive line. Now, the offensive line we know, due to Greg Strudwaro's recruiting, there will be issues there, especially with depth. He was not a good recruiter. He was not a great developer. That's why Ryan Day fired him and replaced him with Justin Fry. But I don't think Ohio State's struggles in fall camp or late last year are indicative to Ryan Day and Ohio State pulling a Lane Kiffin USC move and having a ton of different people saying, I told you so, as Ohio State goes 9-3 and or 8-4, and getting blown out by Wisconsin and Michigan and losing to Notre Dame and Penn State. I don't think that's going to happen. I really don't. Because the fall camp reports, spring practice, depth concerns, these were all speculative things. We'll learn more when September and October and November roll around. We'll know more from Saturdays. And given Ryan Day's history, he's 45-6. and six. He has a handful of very impressive top 10 wins, a plethora of top 25 wins, undefeated versus Penn State, a phenomenon that even Urban Meyer couldn't achieve. And the only team he hasn't been able to figure out on the field or compete with for a full four quarters is Michigan. That's it. Every other team, even Georgia last year, Clemson in 2019, Oregon in 2021, the only other team outside of Michigan that Ryan Day hasn't competed with for a full four quarters is Alabama in 2020. And that Alabama team, I think, has the potential to be one of the best teams in the history of college football, potentially the best team in the history of college football, that 2020 Alabama team with Mac Jones, Devonta Smith, Najee Harris, many other players as well. But to get back to Ohio State, this team, I think, is too deep, has too good of a staff to collapse. And the offensive line and offensive struggles, that's not just indicative of the offense's performance, because you have to think that in practice, the offense and the defense are playing against each other. So while there are struggles and inconsistencies on the offensive side of the ball, I want you to pause and think that maybe it's not just because of depth issues or maybe a lack of development, though maybe some of those things are true, especially talent and depth on the offensive line. But think about the defense and the sheer amount of talent that defense has and the fact that when it comes to front sevens that Ohio State's offense will face this season— Ohio State's, by high school recruiting rankings, will probably be the most talented they face all year, will be the one they face in practice, 
and on the field developmentally, it'll probably be the third or second or maybe even best, but it will certainly be in the top three. It'll be a top three defense by talent, by development, and by performance that they face. Michigan, they'll face. Penn State, they'll face. Wisconsin, I don't think, has that talent defensively to be in the top three. But Michigan, Penn State, and then Ohio State facing their own in practice, those will be the three best in any order. I happen to think it's Michigan 1, Ohio State 2, Penn State 3, but there's an argument for Penn State to be 1, Ohio State to be 1, and the rest of the spots to be filled out in any order that you think. So Ohio State's offense has a challenge, especially with Jim Knowles being in the second year of his scheme and with players like GT Tui Molau and Jack Sawyer returning, with Mike Hall, Ty Hamilton, Tyleek Williams, Tywone Malone being fully dedicated to football and making massive strides in fall camp, according to coaches. The front four especially is going to be one of the best that Ohio State's offensive line faces all season in their own practice field. So a lot of these struggles you're going to see alleviated in the majority of Ohio State's football games when they don't face nearly as talented defensive lines. And I think that there's just, in my mind, from the perspective that I see, there are a lot of people who are spinning things from fall camp, from preseason reports, unnecessarily against Ohio State. Now, there is reason for criticism, just as there's reason for criticism for other programs, like for Michigan. It's not spinning things against Michigan to talk about their loss to TCU. But you have to put it in perspective. You can't say TCU blew out Michigan because that's factually incorrect. Michigan nearly came back and won. In the same way, we don't know if this is factually incorrect or correct because Ohio State maybe could go 9-3, and three, even though I think that's very unlikely. I think that it's more honest and truthful to say that there are some struggles and there are some questions for Ohio State, but come on. Giving, for example, Drew Aller miles more preseason praise and hype than Kyle McCord or Devin Brown, when the latter two have a more proven coach at developing quarterbacks and a better offensive system, is lunacy. That right there sums it up. And then a lot of people having Ohio State ranked unnecessarily low and ignoring the fact that Ryan Day, over the past four seasons, what, 13-1, and 7-1, and 11-2, Eleven and two, I think. I think is how it went. He's forty-five, forty-five and six, forty-five and six in his career with Ohio State. It's also including, of course, the three wins that he achieved in the first three games of the 2018 season when Urban Meyer was suspended. I'm going to get into the offense and the defense more. I think the defense is making major strides, and I think that Ryan Day talking about the cornerbacks for example, and also talking about Cody Simon and how Jim Knowles has talked about this defense too and the the sheer depth and talent that they return and the starters, I think that Jim Knowles' defense is making strides and I think we're going to see almost instantly this unit take a huge step forward. And I think you're seeing that in fall camp that the defense is just so much more easily able to challenge the offense. They're playing at a similar level now. The, the The defense isn't lagging behind the offense. In fact, the offense at this point might be lagging behind the defense just because of 
inconsistency at quarterback. Ryan Day doesn't feel comfortable naming Kyle McCord or Devin Brown his quarterback number one. He doesn't feel comfortable doing it. And in my mind, a a reporter asked him, do you think there's just two exceptional players so you you can't pick? Like there's anxiety about picking who's going to get on the field? Or are they just two completely inconsistent guys so it's a competition that's disastrous as opposed to so good and so phenomenal that you don't know who to pick. And Ryan Day erred more toward the middle, which is typically where the truth is between two extremes. But if I had to guess right now, Ryan Day really wants to name a starter and doesn't want to have to go through a two-quarterback system in the regular season. So I think that means he's more so leaning toward the fact that there's a lot of inconsistency. Now, Kyle McCord and Devin Brown, I think whoever starts and whoever takes those QB1 reps in practices and also in games, I think they will evolve to be the Big Ten's second-best quarterback by the middle end of the year, probably by a few games in, if I'm being honest. And I think with Ryan Day's coaching, with Brian Hartline, and let's be honest, likely Ryan Day collaborating with plays and an offensive line that even though has questions at pass pro and on the exterior, they're solid at center, elite at guard, and the best wide receiver core in the nation, and a great tight end in Cade Stover, whoever starts at quarterback is going to be fine. With how this competition is still stiff, no one's separated yet, of course that makes me think in my mind, what if Devin Brown emerges? Him being younger still battling for the spot. McCord, while no one should be frustrated with him, and Ryan Day certainly isn't frustrated with him, there is this sense that it's your third year with the program. Devin Brown is more athletic. He can more easily scramble, which, with a potentially questionable pass protection, scrambling and having that dual threat or more athletic capability might really benefit Ohio State here. So that's an interesting area to look out for. I was heavily leaning toward McCord starting for Ohio State for most of this preseason. I'm still leaning toward Kyle McCord. Ultimately starting, he has a few hundred passing yards under his belt. He's played in multiple games over the past two seasons, even starting against Akron in 2021. And he had an 80 quarterback efficiency ranking or higher last season in limited action. I'm still leaning toward him starting, but Devin Brown is beginning to creep up on me a bit, especially with that athleticism and with some of the questions on the offensive line. But staying with skill positions, Ryan Day also had high praise for Travian Henderson, and he says that Henderson is at a great preseason, Henderson is working with special teams, and he's just having, he's having a big, I'd say bounce back preseason. And also, the way that Ryan Day talked about him was, in a sense, that Travion Henderson is expected to be, at worst, running back 1B, or at best, running back number 1. He is going to be deeply involved with the offense this season, much more than last year, of course, because he's healthier. Last year, he played the entire year injured. In 2022, he had 107 carries for 571 yards and six rushing touchdowns, averaging 5.3 yards per carry. In 2021, he had 183 carries 
for 1,248 yards, 15 rushing touchdowns, and he averaged 6.8 yards per carry. In 2021 also, he had 312 receiving yards and four receiving touchdowns, averaging 11.6 yards per reception. So he's a weapon, especially in space. If if he and a defender, if there's a certain distance between them, you might as well, you've just given up six points to Travian Henderson. Congratulations. Very fast player, knowledgeable. He's healthier now. And I think that Mayan Williams benefits more from this style of offense and more from an offensive line that's dominated by guard play than Travion Henderson does. But as we'll get into it later, Mayan Williams is currently dealing with a minor injury, though one that Ryan Day doesn't expect to be long-term. But Henderson received tons of praise. I think he's going to be a great running back for Ohio State and for the Big Ten this year. Definitely on, definitely on my old Big Ten team and not honorable mention. He's higher than that. When talking about the offensive line, there's a player that stands out to me. It's Josh Simmons. We already know that Donovan Jackson and Matthew Jones are elite guards. We know that Carson Hinsman, and even though Jacob James has been competing with him at times, we know that Carson Hinsman's going to be the likely starter, and he has a bright future ahead of him. Josh Simmons was brought in from San Diego State, to compete with Josh Fryer for that left tackle spot, and also on the other side, formerly Tegra Tisha Baloa, a redshirt freshman, was those three who were competing for the two spots in Ohio State's tackle room. Well, Luke Montgomery continues to be talked about. Ryan Day mentioned him along with Josh Simmons, Tegra Tisha Baloa, and Josh Fryer. It sounds like Simmons is taking first-team reps at left tackle, and Fryer will be moved to right tackle, but as Day said, Josh Simmons has not won. He hasn't won the starting job yet. But Luke Montgomery is another player to look out for. I seriously think he could get some starting time as a freshman. Day and the staff keep mentioning him, and that's a really good sign. Overall, the offensive line, I think there's a better feeling around the O-line. I think that the way that Luke Montgomery has performed gives them serious options. Simmons working up from the threes to the twos and the ones helps, and Fryer was recruited highly out of high school. Same with Tishabaloa. So there is talent there. I think this room will get better as the season progresses. I still think it's a weak point of the team, but I think any serious concerns acting like this tackle room is going to be horrible is more humor than anything serious at this point. Ohio State will not have a terrible tackle room. They won't have a terrible pass protection. They might have an above average or good pass protection, which would suffer against a talented defensive end and edge room like Penn State's or Michigan's or potentially Notre Dame's or even Wisconsin's. But overall, this tackle room, this pass rush, and with a great interior offensive line, the Buckeyes should still have one of the better offensive lines in the nation. Day also mentioned that on special teams, the Buckeyes have two capable kickers who could start this season. This is good news as Noah Ruggles was huge for the program last season, and he's gone after 2021 and 2022. Casey Magier, Parker Lewis, and Jaden Fielding are the three kickers listed according to rlads.com. 
I remember a comment telling me about how Parker Lewis has a very strong leg, and I, I, I'm, I sadly forget the commenter's name on my channel, but he constantly talks about Parker Fleming and how the special teams unit has been very subpar under Ryan Day, which it has. If Parker Fleming doesn't have a great special teams unit this year, with Ikbuka, Xavier Johnson, and Jesse Mirko returning, all those players were key contributors on special teams, and with Parker Lewis, who's hit field goals of over 50 yards when he was at USC, if Fleming doesn't have a great special teams unit this year, someone has to seriously consider either hiring him away or Ryan Day has to consider moving on from him at this point, because special teams is important. It was a part of the reason why Ohio State didn't do so well against Michigan or Georgia in those two losses. But overall, it seems like special teams is on an upbeat right now. And at cornerback, there's more competition than there has been in several seasons, according to Ryan Day. I look for Denzel Burke to have a really good year. Obviously, Jordan Hancock is competing for the other cornerback position, as well as Lorenzo Styles. I heard that Davison Igbenosin was moved to noseback and or safety, but Igbenosin could also play corner there too. And Jair Brown, a true sophomore, he should also be competing for that other spot opposite of the redshirt freshman Denzel Burke. Moving on, I want to talk about the defensive improvement. This team defensively, I think, is destined to be elite. They'll be elite defensive tackle, defensive end, and linebacker, more specifically. On secondary, secondary will be a step down from the front six, but overall, with players like Davis and Igmanosin, Lathan Ransom, Jihad Carter, Cameron Martinez, and then Jordan Hancock and Denzel Burke at corner, I have faith in the secondary, especially at safety and noseback, which is more of a safety position under Jim Knowles' defense. Compared to Jesse Minters at Michigan, he runs a 4-2-5 as well, but the noseback position is closer to a corner than a safety. So not all 4-3s or 4-2-5s or offenses or defenses that use similar techniques or schemes are equal, created equal, or created for the same purpose. There are different purposes for all of those different adjustments. Jim Knowles' defense loves to be aggressive, and we saw that last year, often in the worst moments of this defense, when they were aggressive, whether it was Penn State, whether it was Michigan, whether it was Georgia, constantly exposing blitzes through big plays. I mean, Parker Washington, for example, breaking that tackle on the safety, eerily similar eerily similar to Michigan's Cornelius Johnson doing the same thing on Michigan's first long touchdown. Again, Lathan Ransom falling down against, I think it was Arian Smith on Georgia's long touchdown reception that helped them get back into the game. I think Lathan Ransom's going to be one of the best safeties in the nation, by the way. My point is the secondary, specifically the defense, was a weak point of the entire team last year, especially when they were aggressive. When the rest of the team was aggressive and there was little to no safety help, the safeties, when there was an opportunity to prevent a big play from going through, just couldn't get it done. Same with the corners, and Jim Knowles and his scheme I don't think was necessarily at fault there, but it was year one. There's only so much you can do in year one of establishing a complex system. 
I have this defense pegged as the number three defense in the country, and in my Big Ten power rankings, national power rankings, and in my top 25 video that I'll release in two days, make sure to subscribe and hit the notification bell so you can get notified when that video drops. I will show rankings for offenses and defenses for all of my top 25 teams, and Ohio State will be up there, not just offensively, which is no duh at this point. Ohio State's had the number one offense for two years in a row, and I made a video saying that I think that'll be the case again, but I think they'll also have a top four defense nationally. This team has the potential, because of the improvements that I think are happening on defense, to be one of the best Buckeye teams this millennium. And seeing that Ohio State's won two national titles this decade, not decade, but millennium, pardon me, that's a high honor. And I think that Burke takes a big step forward, as I've said before. Denzel Burke had over 10 pass breakups in 2021. GT2 Imolau had a handful of sacks this past season. And he had a pick six, multiple forced fumbles, multiple interceptions, most of them in the Penn State game. Big impact player, but again, much like with the quarterback position for Ohio State, it's consistency. Can JTT be consistent this year? If he can, he will be an All-American. If he can't, he'll still be an impact player, but he'll be hit and miss, and that will hurt, especially with Jack Sawyer, who I don't think has proven yet to be an impact kind of player. Meanwhile, defensive tackle, Michael Hall, Tyleek Williams are listed as potential first-rounder, top two-round picks. Ty Hamilton is also probably going to get drafted by the NFL in 2024. I think the defensive tackle room is deeper, both in the short term and also in the long term with Tywon Malone than the defensive end room is. So it's going to be interesting to see the strength of this Buckeye D line be the interior rather than the flashy exterior that we're used to seeing. Some reports indicated that Ohio State's offense had serious struggles in practice, especially with screen passes. And I think a lot of this is due to defensive improvement and the fact that the defensive ends are moving forward. And whether it's JT Tuimolau, whether it's Jack Sawyer, whether it's CJ Hicks, who will play in the Jack position, whether it's Kenyatta Jackson, who's taking a big step forward, Caden Curry also looks better. I think that this defensive end room and this pass rush is much better than last year. The Buckeyes will easily break 40 sacks. Easily. And they did not even do that in 2022. But they will easily break 40 sacks for this 2023 season. And I think with the upside at defensive end and the improvements on the defense as a whole and the drop-off at offensive tackle, I don't think the offense is used to... They're not used to handling a defense like that on the field as we've seen against Michigan or even against Georgia when Georgia's defense came awake in the fourth quarter. They're not used to seeing it in practice either. But long-term, that's going to benefit the offense because that will help them prepare for defenses like Michigan's or Georgia's or Penn State's. Penn State returning Abdul Carter, Chop Robinson, Adisa Isaac, their interior of their defensive line, and I think their run defense is very suspect, as I've stated over and over again. But Ohio State has traditionally been a pass-heavy team and a team that under Ryan Day has struggled to run the football in the past two seasons. So that creates a matchup advantage for Penn State. So Ohio State getting used to facing great defenses 
starting with the elite defense that they're playing in fall camp? At least I think it's an elite defense. We'll have to see. This is again a preseason prediction of mine, but from what I hear defensively, and what I'm saying to you, I think that the evidence is slowly building toward that case. Ultimately, I think it will benefit the offense in the long run, especially with the run game. Ryan Day hinted that this team is going to run the football, that running the football is more important now than it has ever been before, especially with the offensive line situation and with the new quarterback. Having a better run game will ease stress on Kyle McCord and or Devin Brown. But some questions on offense are obviously the quarterback competition, but also the offensive line room. Wide receiver and tight end are set. Cade Stover is one of the better tight ends in the Big Ten. Marvin Harrison Jr. and Emeka Igbuka I have as the only two first-team All-American wide receivers. So those are the number one and number two wide receivers in the nation right there, is Marvin Harrison Jr. and Emeka Igbuka. And Ohio State is both of them. And Julian Fleming or Jaden Ballard, whoever starts there, likely Fleming, those two are probably top 25 wide receivers. So Ohio State's wide receiver room is set. The running back room, Mayan Williams did have a minor injury, but I think ultimately he's still going to start. I think he'll just be more consistent than Henderson. You may not see the same long runs or speed and space or the same NFL potential, but if healthy, he will be so much more consistent, especially with this power run game, which Mayan Williams is built for a power run game. He's not built for a stretch run game. And Justin Fry wants more of that power run game as opposed to a Greg Studwara or Kevin Wilson stretch run game, which benefits Travion Henderson. I think Williams is going to be the better running back of the two this season, but I think Henderson's catching up, and he's certainly in a better position to take that running back number one position back like he had in 2021 than I thought earlier in the spring, summer, and on the first few days of fall practice. I ultimately think Kyle McCord will still start for this team, and I think that he's statistically probably going to be the most impressive quarterback in the Big Ten, just because of how good his wide receiver room is, also having Henderson out of the backfield, who had over 300 yards in 2021 in receptions. Marvin Harrison Jr. and Emeka Ikbuka are both 1,200-plus yard wide receivers this season, They'll both probably get 10 receiving touchdowns, if not more, 10 just at a minimum. And the offensive line is still going to be a great near elite, potentially by season's end, elite offensive line. It really does depend on how that tackle room shapes out. Because guard play, I think, is set. I think Carson Hinsman at center with the two guards on each of his side being elite will help him develop. I think he might be the you know, Big Ten freshman of the year, at least in my mind, because he's a redshirt freshman, and I think he's going to be one of the nation's better centers right out of the gate. And I think the same thing of Nathan Bowie, who's been at Minnesota for a while, but back up for all of his career at Minnesota, I think he'll take over immediately as a starter. But for tackle for Ohio State, between Josh Simmons, Josh Fryer, Luke Montgomery, and Tegra Tisha Baloa, there is a battle there. There's a big battle going on, and there might be different rotations throughout the year. And I think that while there is a ceiling aspect to this tackle room that is good and high, I still have concerns about it. 
I have less concerns than I did a few weeks ago or a few months ago. But overall, still looking at the Big Ten and looking at Penn State, Michigan especially, and their defenses and defensive end rooms and how they match up with Ohio State's offensive tackles, there are concerns to be had against those teams if you're looking at Ohio State's offensive line and their pass protection. But overall, this offense doesn't have questions at tight end. They don't have questions at wide receiver. And as long as running back stays healthy, they won't have questions there. And nonetheless, Chip Trainum, Dallin Hayden, but especially Trainum have received praise. So if one of Williams or Henderson goes down for the entire season, there are quality running backs who will just plug and play, in my opinion. So that's all I have to say regarding Ohio State's fall camp and some of my opinions on the different perspectives about Ohio State entering the 2023 season. This team is a top three team, a top four team. I do think they're more likely than not going to reach the college football playoff yet again this season. And under Ryan Day, it will be an every year event that Ohio State will reach the college football playoff. The way that they're recruiting and developing, it's too good of a job to not be given praise. Now, they have to go out and beat Michigan. They have to go out and win the Big Ten. Those are their goals, and at some point they're going to have to achieve them because in the same way that it was unacceptable for Jim Harbaugh to never beat Ohio State and never win the Big Ten, it will eventually be totally unacceptable for Ryan Day to lose to Michigan more years than not or to lose to Michigan every year since 2020 and also not win the Big Ten every year since 2020. But I'm confident whether this year or, in my opinion, probably 2024, as I think the Wolverines are too good, too elite, too experienced, and they have home field advantage, Ohio State in the future will get back to being on top of the Big Ten. And it will be an intense battle with Michigan. Penn State's rising up as well. I'm just really excited for Big Ten football to come here in 2023, and we're just a few weeks away from that. Make sure to subscribe if you haven't already. Also, hit the notification bell, like this video, and comment your thoughts down below. Have a great day, guys. Bye-bye.